Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. Lifeway Research is the research study arm of the Southern Baptist Convention, and they do all kinds of studies to determine what's going on in the spiritual life of America. And recently they completed a study that revealed in the year 2019, 4,500 churches, evangelical churches, 4,500 evangelical churches closed their doors and ceased to exist. That number is staggering, but there's more. They found that this is a trend that has been growing for decades, actually, in America. And the pandemic put it on steroids. And if that trend continues as it's expected to do, in the 2020s, as many as, listen to this, as many as 50 thousand evangelical churches will cease to exist and no longer share the gospel with their community. Now, if you're kingdom-minded, that kind of statistic shakes you to your core. It tells us that we are in a spiritual crisis, a gospel-sharing, Bible-teaching, church crisis in America. And we have to ask ourselves, how is that possible? How does that happen? What, what is it that takes place that causes a church to deteriorate and decline to the point of closing its doors and giving away or selling its property? Well, I believe that typically a church dies for generally one of three reasons. Let me share them with you. First of all, a church will die when it forsakes and loses its mission, when its vision fades away. Because then that church, and you may know some churches like this, become inward focused. And the members begin to speak of that church as my church. This is what I want in my church. And can I tell you, friends, when it becomes my church, it's no longer God's church. And it begins to die. Or secondly, sometimes a church ignores or disregards a changing ethnic demographic in its community. The community around the church begins to change. And people of different ethnic groups or socioeconomic groups begin to move into that community. And the church fails to address that strategically. They decide those, those are other people and this is our church. And, and they simply ignore what's going on around them. In other words, they ignore their own mission field. And so the the core group of that church that once was the, the primary demographic of its community begins to shrink and shrink and shrink. And nobody new in the community is coming in because they have no strategy to reach them. Or perhaps the most common reason a church dies, 
I think the most common reason is a church becomes unwilling to do what is difficult but necessary to reach the younger generation. And more and more, the younger generation leaves that church and goes to other churches or goes nowhere at all. And the core group of the church gets older and older until the church dwindles and dies. And when a church does one of these three things, or maybe even all three, when a church does at least one of these things, that church is spiritually terminally ill. And as the dwindling remnant of the church gets too old or too sick to take care of the buildings of the church, which have become by that time little more than a museum of the church's former glory when they can no longer handle the expenses of a deteriorating campus, the church simply dies. So that brings us to the all-important question, what must the church do to keep that from happening? Because the natural gravitational pull spiritually is going to be toward death. And so what must a church do so that that will not happen? What are the things that are necessary for a church to become a thriving, multi-generational church? Well, that's what our series is all about. The series is entitled M1 Vision. And we're looking at our mission statement the statement that our church has embraced to say this is the reason we exist. This is why we are here in the Magnolia community. This is what God has called us to do. And we're taking that mission statement in this five-week series one bite at a time. We'll wrap it up next Sunday. Last week we looked at the word engage. Here's our mission statement. Magnolia's First Baptist Church exists to engage. That's what we looked at last week. And then here's this week, to engage every generation to become Christ followers. Last week, looking at engage, we talked about some of the things that we are doing, some of the things that we envision doing to engage every generation in our community. And that task is not as simple as it might seem, but we, we are striving to find God's leadership and direction to do just that. And when there are certain areas of our community that we're not effective in reaching, we need to plant a church that will. I had time to have fellowship with Robert Stokes, the pastor of Magnolia Cowboy Church, our former mission. And that church is blowing and going, and they're reaching people that we might not ever reach. But we're going to seek to engage our community. But who in our community? Every generation. Because, and here's our big idea for today, people of every generation need to become Christ followers. They need Christ. They need the gospel. And a multi-generational church is biblical. If you have your Bibles, open them. If you can find it to the New Testament book of Titus. 
If you can't find it, look in your uh, table of contents. It's, it's in there uh, in the New Testament, real short book. Let me give you just a bit of background while you're page turning. We'll provide all the verses on the screen, of course, but uh, I love it when you bring your Bibles and follow along. Titus was one of the early church leaders, and he became the pastor of the early church on the island of Crete. And the Apostle Paul was writing to him to give him encouragement of how to follow God's leadership to build that church and what to do with the people of God that were there. And I want you to get a picture of the multi-generational church that Titus led on the island of Crete. Titus chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter. He said, As for you, Titus... Promote the kind of living that reflects wholesome teaching. Teach the older men to exercise self-control, to be worthy of respect, and to live wisely. They must have sound faith and be filled with love and patience. Similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely and be pure, to work in their homes, to do good and to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. In the same way, encourage the young men. Do you see the generational instruction here? In the same way, Instruct the young men. Okay, I lost my place. There it is. Okay. And you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. I hope that you are listening closely enough to hear what was going on in that church, how the different generations were to interact. There was a dynamic in the early church, not just on Crete, but in all of the early congregations in the first century. There was a dynamic going on that must continue today, and it's this. In a healthy, multi-generational church, there's spiritual interaction between the generations. Between the generations. Now, can I just tell you that in a church like ours, that's a challenge. When you have a church, and many churches follow this same kind of, of a pattern, with multiple services and dozens of Sunday school classes and Bible study groups and home groups that we're going to, to launch many new home groups in, in 2022, we're going to call them journey groups when you have this many different groups and services that are meeting, it is a challenge to get the generations together. That's why events like next Sunday night's Thanksgiving feast is so important. If you're thinking about whether or not you're coming, come, okay? Because when you get the, the generations together in one room, and for a church like ours, that's a challenge, there, there is 
wisdom to be shared. There is fellowship to be ignited. It just is an incredible opportunity for us to be all together in one room. But we've got to do a lot more than that. You need to look for service opportunities and Bible study groups apart from your Sunday school classes in which you interact with the younger generation. Cindy and I lead a marriage group in our home once a month and we have both mature, I started to say older, Pastor Larry, that's not a good thing, mature couples and young couples. And there is wisdom shared between the generations. We have service opportunities in which you can work side by side. I'm just saying this. It's important for us strategically as a church to find a way to mix the generations so that there's spiritual interaction. But it can't all be done programmatically. It is... It is dependent upon you who are in the older generation, as am I, to find those in the younger generation and befriend them. Get to know them. Pour some of your life into them. The younger generation needs you. I'll talk more about that later. This is so important because, listen, friends, every generation in the body of Christ is important. Every generation. And there's so much we can learn from one another. Those who are median adults and senior adults have so much that you have learned from your faith journey that the younger generation can benefit benefit from and grow from. Uh, Let me just give you an example of an older saint that God used. There's so many in the scriptures. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, if you're following along in your Bible, turn there. Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Hall of Fame of Faith. It's a great chapter. If you're not familiar with it, read it. It, It's it's just a a list and, and many biographies of great heroes in the faith of the Old Testament. And one of those is Abraham. And in verse 8, it begins to speak of Abraham when he left his home to embark upon a journey to a destination that God did not reveal to him. And when he left home, when he left everything that was familiar and safe and comfortable, when he embarked on this journey with his wife and all that he had, Abraham was 75 years old. And listen to what the Hall of Fame of Faith, Hebrews 11, says about him, beginning with verse 8. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. I'm looking forward to that city too, aren't you? Abraham was 75 years old. He had so much from his journey that he could share with younger people. And I, and I want to say to some of the younger people here in the, in the tradition service 
Get to know the older people. Pray that God would give you opportunities to meet them and befriend them. They have so much they can share. And to those of us who would say we're in that older generation, the next chapter in Hebrews, the writer gives an encouragement to those of us in that that generation to help others. Look at Hebrews 12, 12. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Does that sound like some of us? <laughs> take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Now look at verse 13. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Listen, our culture has made it common, even popular, to disregard and devalue older people, even to make fun of them. But in the body of Christ, it must not be that way. Because those who have walked with the Lord for many decades have much of value to share. And some of you are thinking, I can't do some of the things I used to do. Well, amen, brother, me either. But there are things that we can do to enrich the lives of younger believers, and we must. We must. And as a church, we must value the young. Teenagers are vitally important. Students, as we refer to them. And this is not in my notes, but let me just tell you this. Wednesday night, Pastor Jeff took my Wednesday night Bible study and prayer time, and I just slipped into the back of our student worship service that happens every Wednesday night, just to be a fly on the wall. And that room over in the student building, the venue as we refer to it, was filled with students. And Hannah Mitchell, who's on our student ministry staff and one of our resonate vocalists and a student team was leading them in worship and it was spiritual and it was powerful and then our student pastor Daniel Rowland stood up to to teach and he taught Psalm 42 as well as I have ever heard it taught with spirit and with power and those students were transfixed on the teaching of the word of God listen we must value our teenagers They are the present and the future of our church. And we find that that has been true in the work of the Lord all the way back to Old Testament times. 1 Samuel 16. I want to give you a little snippet of the story of David. In 1 Samuel 16, the prophet Samuel had been sent by God to find the next king of Israel. Saul was on his way out. And he was, he was to find the next king of Israel and God sent him to the home of a man named Jesse. And God told him one of his sons is going to be the next king of Israel. So go look at them and find the one and anoint him. So pick up the narrative with me, 1 Samuel 16 verse 10. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? Well, there's still the youngest, and inferred in there, but he's just a kid. 
There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes, and the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And this last sentence is my favorite of the passage. Don't miss it. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. You know how old scholars think David was on that day? That he was anointed and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon on him, 15. He was 15. He was just a teenager. Listen, teenagers can become strong leaders even while they're still young. And we as a church must continue to invest in the ministry to teenagers. Because in just a few years, they become young adults and can be launched into strategic leadership in the church of Jesus Christ. And that was happening in the first century. You remember the name Timothy? The Apostle Paul was mentoring a young pastor named Timothy. I want you to see what he said to him in 1 Timothy 4. I'm going to begin in verse 11. Keep in mind, this young pastor, I'm sure in his 20s, And Paul is mentoring him, the older generation to the younger generation. And here's what Paul said to young Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.11. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Now don't miss this phrase in verse 12. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, and teaching them. Teenagers are vitally important. But also, in a healthy, multi-generational church, there must be a very intentional focus and strong emphasis on loving and nurturing children and infants. Children, just like we saw on this platform just a few moments ago. Uh, You know this story, and I love it, but I want to share it again. Mark 10, verse 13 to 16, where Jesus encounters children. Mark 10, 13. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. (laughs) When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And then my favorite verse, verse 16. Can Just picture this. Then he, Jesus, took the children in his arms and placed his hands 
on their heads and blessed them. Listen, friends. Because children matter to Jesus, they matter to us. They matter to us. So, what does the church do if they're committed to being a thriving, multi-generational New Testament church? What are the things? Well, let me tell you what we're seeking to do to follow that objective. First of all, we have differing worship service experiences that engage each generation at their level. Now, I, I know some don't understand this, but here's, and, and I led worship for a lot of years in Baptist churches. Here's what I've come to know. Different kinds of worship music engage different people. They just do. Uh, there are many of us in, in our generation, it's the hymns of the faith that we grew up with. It's wonderful old gospel choruses. It's Bill Gaither. You know, it's, it's music like that that touches our hearts. And even some in the younger generation have learned that that's, that's rich spiritually. And we must never lose that. But here's the reality. A church that only will sing music of our generation will struggle to reach the younger generation. Because there's a different kind of music that engages their heart. And some people say, oh, you're just entertaining them. No, we're not. It's music that engages their hearts with spiritual truth. Anybody that says that hasn't looked at the lyrics of their songs. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a tool. Music is a tool to communicate spiritual truth. But the reality is, if we put the Resonate Band up here and they were to share their music with you, you'd have your hands over your ears and you'd quit tithing and you'd quit coming. That's why we have a tradition service. But I wish you could have seen this, this room was this full and more in the 11 o'clock hour. And our Resonate worship team led with powerful worship. We also have kids' worship. You may not know this. We have kids' worship services in both hours. It communicates to the level of children so that they understand. We also have, on the other end of the campus, in both hours, dynamic services in Spanish. I speak about 13 words of Spanish. Pastor Milt preached down there last week, but he needed a translator. But I'm telling you, Pastor Abel Amaya and, and a very talented team of worship leaders have, have services in both hours. And I say all that to say, we try to have worship that engages everybody where they are, every generation. And here's what else we're seeking to do. We have strategic ministries for each generation led by gifted and committed ministerial staff. And I thought about trying to explain these ministries to you, but I thought, you know, these ministry leaders could explain it a whole lot better than I could. So for the next six minutes, watch the screen and meet the people who are leading our ministries. Hi, I'm Tanya Gutierrez, preschool minister 
M1 Preschool exists to build in young children a foundation of biblical faith. We believe that even the tiniest babies can begin to learn about God. And that's why our theme verse is from 2 Timothy 3.15, which says, And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. We seek to accomplish this mission in four ways. Number one, we teach the Bible in every group. Whether you're here on Sunday or Wednesday or Mother's Day out, all of our groups have Bible curriculum that is age-appropriate for them. We teach them foundational themes and truths about God, Jesus, and the Bible. Number two, we love children in a way that demonstrates God's love for them. At this, at this age, children learn from feeling as much as anything else. So our goal is that they feel loved at church, and then they relate that to God's love for them. Number three, we provide a safe environment for each child. We want children to feel safe and comfortable while they are in their groups, and we want them to enjoy being at church. Number four, finally, we are here to help parents disciple their young children at home. That includes providing them with resources, hosting conferences, and supporting them in any needs that they have. Also, we're here on Sundays for both service hours and Wednesday nights so that parents can plug into a group and grow in their own faith and then share that with their children at home. Hi, my name is Haley McKeon, and I am the Kids Interim Minister here at Magnolias First. Our kids department serves kindergarten through sixth grade students on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings. We exist to show kids that God is real, He loves them, and has a plan for their lives right now. Each month, we focus on a different life skill that will help your kids grow in their personal walks with Jesus as well as their daily life situations. On Sunday mornings, our services are at 9.30 and 11. During this time, your kids will have both a small group and a large group experience. We have an interactive Bible story time where the Bible story is presented in various ways for each service. Your kids will also have an opportunity to participate in large group game time and worship time. During these times, we want your kids to learn to work together and worship together. During small group time, your kids are given a chance to dive deeper into the Word for a better understanding with their peers and small group leaders. They will also have an opportunity to play lesson-themed games and create crafts. On Wednesday evenings, our services are 6.30 to 8, and we journey through the Bible, Genesis to Revelation. Your kids will experience small group, large group, and worship time on Wednesday nights. During large group, your kids are presented with an interactive Bible lesson and short video. During small group, your kids will dive deeper into the Bible story with their peers and small group leaders. Our goal is to present the Bible to your kids in a simple way that they can understand and then take and use in their daily lives. We want to provide your kids with an environment that allows them to meet Jesus on their personal level and strengthen their walks. While your kids are with us, we hope it's the best part of their week. And I can't wait to see you all soon. Hey, I'm Daniel Rowland. I'm the youth pastor here at Magnolia's First Baptist Church, and uh, we really exist for, for one main mission. That's to grab hold of the next generation and to, to draw them in to, to not just believe Jesus Christ, but to seek him with their lives and follow him. And, and we want to equip them in order to do that in every avenue of life, to prepare them for college and off into the career field. Uh, and we really have a, a few different ways that we do that. One of them, which is kind of the hardest, is to be out in the community, right? At football games, basketball games, volleyball games, softball, you know, anything we can get our hands on, we try to be uh, at the school, in their events, and, and meeting new students and, and introducing ourselves and um, really finding them outside of the walls of the church and trying to build a connection and a relationship that would hopefully one day bring them in. Uh, and then once they're in, we have a few different opportunities for them to get involved in. I would say our biggest one, which is uh, our biggest outreach for those who are kind of on the fence and seeking the faith but not really sure if they're bought in, 
uh, would be our Wednesday night youth service, which is, is our, our, it's our biggest platform um, for skeptics and believers as well. Uh, but then Sunday mornings, we have our Sunday school starting at about 9.45, and we go up until about 10.45. Usually, I would, I would share for about 15 to 20 minutes on those mornings, and then we would break them into small groups where they have their small group leaders, and they get to discuss the things that we've talked about. The first Sunday morning of every month, we actually do a, a full group Q&A, uh, where they can ask various questions and, and hear perspective and biblical answer on that. So on Sunday evenings, we have our, our study groups, um, and it's for, all, or it's for all ages 7th through 12th. And so we have a group for 7th and 8th. We have a group for 9th through 12th where we um, tackle more into issues that we've talked about on Wednesdays and, and areas of Scripture to help disciple them and address idolatry and show them how Jesus Christ came and uh, died for their sins and, and resurrected from the grave um, and then Monday evenings, we also have another study group that meets, and it's our, our adult leaders and volunteers who are looking to come together and kind of dive in a little bit deeper on discipleship and answering some of these hard questions and walking with these students. And so we use Monday evenings from 6 to about 8 p.m. Uh, to dive into that. Glad the Lord has given us leaders like that to lead our younger generation. Now, you may be saying, that's, that's great. We need to be a thriving, multi-generational church. But what can I do? How can I help? And so I want to give you three ways as I close the message. First of all, pray about volunteering to help with one of these ministries. If you go to our website, m1bc.org, and then backslash serve, it will take you to the page that will share with you all different kinds of opportunities and ministries that you can help in. That you can, If you have the time and the willingness to love on the younger generations, then pray about volunteering. Secondly, and this is the most important of the three. Pray for the power of God to fall on the worship and ministries of Magnolia's first. Every generation. Because listen, we can plan well, we can program well, we can staff well, we can do all of that, but if the power of God doesn't fall on it, it'll all be for nothing. And so pray for God's Spirit to empower what we're seeking to do and that would always be for His glory alone. And then finally, I'm just going to be honest, you can help by being faithful in your tithes and offerings so that we can have the funding for these ministries. Uh, if you have aggressive ministries, uh, it takes funding. It takes financial resources. And we don't do fundraisers to, to fund these ministries. It's dependent upon the tithes and offerings of God's people. And for 171 years, this church has done that faithfully. But it is needed now as much or more than ever. So I encourage you in your faithfulness. We must become continually a more effective thriving, multi-generational church because the future of God's work in this community depends on it. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of prayer. And I would ask you, first of all, that you not waste this time. If you don't have a specific prayer need, that you could come and pray with one of our prayer partners. You know, everything's good. Your bank account's full. Your health is perfect. You don't have any family issues. If you don't have anything to pray about, then would you pray for the church? Would you pray for the ministries that we're seeking to lead? 
but maybe you've got an issue or maybe you're burdened for somebody who does, then I would encourage you to come and pray. It'll be either one of our staff or one of our deacons and their spouses. They're prayer warriors. They won't share anything that you tell them with anybody else except with the Lord. And and to pray with somebody, to pray with a leader in the church is a healthy spiritual thing. And so I, I would encourage you to take advantage of that. They'll be here at the front in just a moment. If you're sick and you need God's healing, the scripture says to call upon an elder of the church to anoint you and pray over you. I would be honored to do that for you today. I cannot heal anyone, but we'll pray to the God who can heal anyone. And then if you have a question about your faith journey, where you are, if something within you says, I need to take a step toward the Lord, Maybe I'm not even sure what it is, but I know I need to take a step. Then just come to one of these prayer partners and simply say this, I need to take the next step. That's all you need to say. I need to take the next step. And they are trained, equipped, and willing to walk with you and help you find that next step and to take it. So would you pray with me? Let's stand together and prayer partners make your way. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that your spirit is upon this church. We thank you that you are blessing this church because of the people of this church who love you and who love people who need Jesus, people of every generation. And so, Lord, in these next few moments, I pray that you would minister to their hearts whatever is going on, whatever their needs are, Whatever they need to take to you, Lord, in these moments of prayer, may this be a time that we all connect with you and depend upon you to do what only you can do. Lord, I specifically pray for anyone here today who needs to take the next step in their faith journey. If they're here in the room, I pray that they'd come and just simply say, I need to take the next step to one of our prayer partners. If they're online, I pray that they would text or respond in the chat. Lord, may this be a brief but powerful time of connecting with you in faith and obedience. In the name of Jesus, we pray.